Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're, we're here with one of our new guest hosts, uh, Andrea Lowe. She comes to us with a background in marketing and uh, relationships, networking, and a whole bunch of other things. So, uh, Andrea, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about what you're doing now, and we'll go back into your history uh, as a kid. So what are you up to these days? All right. Well, thanks for having me, Luki. So happy to be here. Hello, everybody. My name is Andrea. So what am I doing now? I'm the founder of Toronto Event Hub and Toronto Dating Hub. Mm -hmm. So I am a solopreneur entrepreneur, and I actually organize lots of fun, unique, engaging social events for singles, as well as professionals, and for a lot of Torontonians. So I host three types of events. We've got singles events, game night socials, and professional networking events. So I hold four to five events per month. And this is actually my side hustle currently. So I also have, you know, one and a half day jobs on top of that. So I'm a very busy person, but my true passion is about connecting people in Toronto. Sounds good. We might have you on a future episode for time management to kind of figure out how to do all that. Uh, but before we do that, so can, can you kind of rewind and let us know what you were like as a kid? So what are some of the early childhood memories? Were you always into kind of marketing, like game nights and, and networking and all those sort of stuff? Or, or what was Andrea like as a kid? Yeah, I was definitely a busybody. Uh, I think everyone who knew me knew me as a social butterfly. Okay. So I was always connecting. I was always volunteering. I was working maybe two part-time jobs on top of, you know, being in school. So uh, and I was part of a co-op program. So I had that job and then I held two other retail jobs. So and then I volunteered. <laughs> Um, and then I was on committees at school and then I was a cheerleader and dancer. So we should definitely have a time management podcast <laughs> for sure. No problem. Um, and I guess I kept that busy body um, kind of lifestyle and schedule even through into my current, you know, my adulthood. Um, but I was, yeah, very, I had a very bold, colorful uh, life in terms of really getting connected, you know, hanging out with the cool kids, but I also hung out with everyone else. Um, what, you know, back in the day, you'd call them like the nerds to the, you know, the jocks to the French immersion students. Um, I just hung out with everyone because I knew even at a younger age, I'm like, you should be connected and know everybody to help you and really utilize your resources, whether you had to, hey, I need some help with my homework or, <laughs> hey, I need a part-time job or I'm like, hey, I need some help with whatever, you know, so staying connected even at a young age was something I was already um, I knew at a very young age, but I also had my rebellious side, honestly, um, not listening to my parents was one of those and always challenging them, challenging what those boundaries um, were as a kid. And to be honest, that is part of what makes me successful now is challenging your potential beliefs or what people tell you, including, you know, authority figures like your parents. Um, yeah. Sounds good. So I'd love to dive a little bit more into some of those where like growing up, uh, I mean, Asian background was was studying and education in school was that kind of top of uh, mind where you had to get uh, like, like A pluses, or and then the, the other part is like, how, how did you find that, like, networking, connecting and other person because those to, to me, at least in my experience, you're talking to others seem a little bit at odds <laughs> where, where you need to uh, put your head down in the book and study versus well spending time with with uh, friends and family um, what, what were what was your experience with, with those 
Yeah, absolutely. Brings me way back. Uh, yeah, no, definitely the Asian background. I'm sure, uh, you know, that's, you know, study hard and you've got to get A pluses. I remember, I mean, actually my sister was super competitive. She's five years older than me, but I remember if I got a hundred, but back in the day, I don't know if they still have that now where you, they give you bonus marks on top of that. Sure. If I got a hundred, she was like, why didn't you get 105? Oh, it was like, okay, a hundred's <laughs> not good enough. Or if I got you know, it happened to be 96, but I was still top of the class. That was the highest mark that you could get in that class. Sure. My sister would be like, but, but why didn't you get a hundred? Gotcha. You're not perfect then. And it was like, so it was a strive for perfection that really like haunted me throughout. And even today, um, you're, you're, you're always your worst critic, but um, yeah, no, definitely the Asian, the, you know, your family's always telling you, you got to be the best. Um, and in a sense, you know, unless you were achieving and again, like very, um, you know, with metrics, like quantifiable success, then they weren't happy with you in some way. Right. And, um, and that did a toll obviously on your self-confidence as well. And so there's a lot of like reworking that as I'm going into, you know, adulthood. So we could touch about about that later, (laughs) but the whole like networking, social butterfly, I really started finding myself in high school and definitely into university where I was like, if you continued always just trying to get for that straight A and nothing else and just head down in your books, like how boring would life be? And honestly, I wasn't happy. And I always had other interests like dancing. So I'm sure, you know, Luki, like Asian parents are always like, take piano, right? When you're like a little kid. And I was like, no, (laughs) I think I was four. I was like, no, mom, I want to take ballet. And I think she, I think I remember that I somehow like coaxed her into, um, I'll do ballet, which is also very pretty and nice and prestigious. And there's exams and all this, and I'm still being creative. There's costumes and competitions. Like there's lots and trophies. Like, so it's still very similar to piano and that kind of thing, but I like dance. Can we do that? And I somehow like negotiated when I was four and she let me do ballet instead of taking piano. So that was like a win back when I was four and um, I've been dancing ever since I was four, but that taught me. And I always encourage these extracurricular activities because, you know, dance taught me discipline, determination, teamwork, um, you know, you know how like people are afraid of public speaking, but as a young age, I was already on stage competing and being in front of judges and the lights, camera action. So it just helped me come out of my shell and naturally through that and already being with, you know, 20 other girls and some of them are catty, you came out of your shell um, faster than you would if you didn't do any of that. So it really helped me become that social butterfly and then I got into cheerleading in school. And so that was, again, opened my eyes to, oh, here are the jocks, here are the other, here are the cool kids, here's this. And um, and then just, I just got hooked on it to keep connecting and talking to so many people and all the benefits you get from networking. Sounds good. And, and were there any kind of like defining moments in terms of like, like the networking connections where like, oh yeah, this is it, this is why I'm doing it um, versus like, yeah, before I was just, uh, competitive, uh, learn, get my hundred and hundred and fives or whatever versus no, there's another path. Uh, can you recall any kind of defining moments to say like, this is a better way. Knowing someone who can help me with my homework is much better than spending uh, like 10 extra hours studying it. Uh, do anything, does anything come to mind? 
like it was besides obviously i think even though i was networking i was still somewhat achieving something at the end of the day like if it was um hanging out with certain people it was like okay like your social status right like bumps up so that's always cool but then also you're like wow this person actually really smart and they can help me with science because science and math even though i had high high marks i was like as you got to like high school and university like those got harder right and i was like who's really smart in that? Okay, let me befriend them, <laughs> me hang out with them. And then they'll let me like, you know, they'll help me, you know, not to say give me the answer sheet, but it was like, okay, that's cool too. Then you get the benefits of like, this is actually a really cool person. And I wouldn't have known that if I didn't spend the time with them. And then we might go to an event together or do something else, or they bring me home. And then I meet like their cool older brother or sibling. And then you just never know where the connections lead you to and the sure. all the other opportunities that come together or we go volunteer again. And, and it's the life experiences that came with those networking opportunities. So it might start off with this helps me achieve X or, you know, check this off the box of what I actually had to do. But then the experiences that came along with it was just, it was bonus. Like the great time I had personally, um, or the other opportunities that came out of that, that's where I saw, wow, the power of networking, even at a young age, was just so awesome. That, that's amazing. And, and do you think that was a conscious effort on your part? Or is it just kind of like, you know what, I'm having so much fun connecting with folks that it doesn't really matter? Yeah, I think it was just like, it was like interconnected of like, <laughs> I'm achieving what I sought out to do whatever that may be, but then also just all these positive benefits came out of it. That was, you know, whether, you know, at the time I didn't know I was soul searching or doing all this stuff, but it just, yeah, it was unconscious at the time until you're older and you finally know what networking is. And you're like, Oh, that's what I was doing this whole entire time. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, That was just naturally me. And I was uh, in that. So Uh, could you describe a little bit of those, like, challenging of boundaries, the rebellious side. So that might've been like the no piano ballet. <laughs> Were there other big significant ones uh, along the way as well that kind of shaped you to, to where you are now? Yeah, I mean, to be honest and how it relates to networking, um, you know, parents can be uptight about a lot of things. Like don't go out, period, to don't go out. <laughs> um, you know, you gotta get home by like five. It's like, okay, like the sun is still out. Like, why do I need to be home by a certain time? Or you can't yeah. talk to certain people. Remember the day when, we didn't have call waiting and it was the landline, right? Sure. And you know, your sister, your mom might answer and you're like, no, that's for me. I'm waiting for this call and I can't talk to them. Um, so it was back when like kids these days don't even understand what that is sure. where you might not even get to talk to the who you talk to or you can't just pull up your phone and text somebody. Like none of that way back uh, was a thing. So just challenging boundaries even set like, you can't talk to certain people, you can't befriend them. And I'm like, why? What's what's the stereotype or what's the discrimination? And honestly, that was really hard to deal with um, at first because you're challenging your parents, you're challenging these authority figures in your life. And again, I'm that perfectionist trying to be this like perfect child. And here I am trying to break these rules that were set. And so it was very, like I was distraught, right? right. But something in me just said, you got to follow your gut and you got to follow what, what you want to do. Cause at the end of the day, and again, I didn't really realize what that was exactly what I was doing, but something in me was saying, you got to follow your gut, Andrea, and you got to do what you think is best for you and what you think is right. So I had a very like, kind of like righteous sort of like 
path of like, no, this is not right. Like, I'm not discriminating this person because of what is it, their color, their, you know, whatever it is. And I was like, this is a good person and I'm going to hang out with them because it's good for me. I don't care what other ones saying. So to be honest, when I say I was rebellious, I would sneak out. I would do, I would lie and say, yeah, I'm hanging out with the person that is approved, but I'm really <laughs> like hanging out with other people. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of if, if you watch Turning Red, that Disney movie. That yes. Out, yes. <laughs> like the, so the coming of age sneaking out. It's like, well, you're not supposed to hang out with those people because uh, focus on studies and things like that. But um, so, so it sounds like there's a lot of learning and growth and it was just naturally you uh, and, and it's benefited you now. Uh, if we kind of turn into the kind of the academic side, so at some point you graduate high school and you need to pick uh, a, a path, college, university, that sort of thing. Were you always interested in in what you want to do? So marketing uh, obviously is where you're into. Uh, was that always an area of interest, or, or how did you come across that that part? Yeah, I was I was always interested in business and marketing, but more specifically, okay, so my career path choices as a kid I remember I really wanted to be a teacher okay and the other thing was like I wanted to own a dollar store 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 because it was like I really like you know the cash register like the cashier it was like dude dude and it was like dollar store is so easy to remember everything was a dollar I mean back then everything literally was a dollar in the dollar store not not anymore these days but I was like this is easy to count like money and the tax and like whatever and I just always had that business mindset of like selling promoting um but those two are like my kind of like top two. And then the dancer thing. But then, of course, as your Asian parents might discourage <laughs> you, dancing is just like, you know, how much money you're going to get. And it's so hard and it's tough. And and so it was like, OK, that will just stay as a hobby. So I never gave that up as a hobby. But it, and today I'm still dancing, competing. So I never gave that up. Cool. The dollar store thing. Um, well, that gets into my entrepreneur life. So technically I didn't give it up. It's not a dollar store, but it's something yeah. Um, but then the teacher, okay, I was always one of the favorite students in any class or school I was in. Okay. And I remember um, one of my mentors, uh, one of my favorite teachers, she was like, listen, Andrea, I have many teacher friends. I don't need another one. And to be honest, like, she kind of like dissuaded me from being a teacher, even though she was like my favorite teacher. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. I'll go into another profession then. Um, yeah. And at the time, I, and then at the time, my parents were like, you know what? Teachers go on strike all the time (laughs) and uh, there's so many teachers and it's so hard to get a spot as a teacher, right? And I'm like, okay, I I guess I shouldn't be a teacher. So instead what I did was um, nowadays I still coach and mentor students like yourself, Luki, and, you know, I still mentored a bunch of people in in my industry outside of it, or even through what I do with events. I feel like I'm coaching and mentoring people all the time. Mm -hmm. So instead of becoming a teacher full-time, I feel like all of my extracurricular, I am doing that. So in terms of the three sort of professions that I was always interested in, I still kept it in my life. Right. It's just not as a career path. But how I chose my career path, again, like Asian parents would uh, persuade you, I remember taking all the three maths, and <laughs> all the sciences during high school. And that actually, like, I wouldn't say tank my um, overall grade, okay. but it's certainly if I had known better where I like, I didn't need any of that, not, not any of that. I was like, oh, but I would have gotten more like 96 average leaving I ended with an 88, which is still not embarrassing, but to Asians, it's like, ooh, it's not even a 90. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Still got a scholarship leaving. But I just remembered, always keep your options open. Keep your options open. So that's why in high school, I remember taking most of these math and sciences. So you never know. 
if I want to become a doctor, I still can. If I want to be an engineer, I still can. None of that mattered because when I went to U of T, I chose the co-op management program. And I knew in business, business was still pretty prestigious, but you can also still go into different fields if you wanted to. So I felt like the business route was still prestigious, had status, but it was still like pretty open if I wanted to go move into, and like business is everywhere. They're like, I would be successful. And so that's kind of how I chose that path. Um, And I knew in my co-op management program, you don't have to choose your stream until that fourth or uh, that fourth year. So you had time to still think about whether it's HR, marketing, economics, finance, or accounting. So I knew I was buying myself even more time. So everything was kind of strategic. um, And I definitely listened to my own gut, but also did my research as well. So it sounded like a little bit of, of wayfinding in the sense, okay, uh, keep my options open. All right. Well, not doctor, engineer. So let's go business. Well, let's narrow it down to a specific type of business. And then finally, uh, marketing. Uh, was there like a, a course or a, an activity or something that said, you know what, marketing is the thing that I'm going to pick? Yeah, actually, like it brings back my mind. At first, I honestly was thinking I'd be a CA, like a chartered accountant. Okay. That was still, uh, you know, being a CA, the designation, you know, in the Asian culture, that's still a professional designation. Yeah. You would still get the check mark. So, and then I remember high school, I was like, yeah, I'm getting 98, 100 on these like tests. I was like, yeah, that's it. And then going to UTSC, the accounting, like, I was like, whoa, this is not high school accounting anymore. Yeah. Like what happened? Like, this is way harder than what I wanted to do. And I was like, I do not want to, like, well, I was thinking about my profession, about if I were to wake up every day and do this kind of financial accounting, is this what I want to do? I'm like, is this what, right. is this what would happen if I worked in an office? Is this the kind of work that I would do? And that's sort of how, as I sort of, cause in first year business, you're, you're doing all the courses of business, right? You got marketing HR, you get, you get exposure to all the different streams. I was like, I really liked marketing and HR. And that's how I knew what I liked about it was being creative and working with people. So I started to teeter from accounting. Like I was like, nope, no way, not finance and accounting. And I was like more and more to marketing HR because of the creativeness and working with people aspect that I really enjoyed. And so, and then marketing became more and more prevalent because with my part-time jobs um, and that business back, and I, I guess I always had an entrepreneur spirit. And so more and more marketing became that like strong thing that I wanted. So I'm proud to say as, you know, when, even after I graduate and still today, um, cause not everyone can say I went to school for this and I still do this as a profession. <laughs> so I'm like proud to say that I, I'm still doing marketing. For sure. Yeah. I'm computer science and I don't, well, actually yeah. I, I do have an app that it's upcoming and I'm, I'm kind of, uh, dipping my toe back into the tech world. So, so maybe I'm not out of it, but yeah, I can totally uh, appreciate that. Some people uh, go totally 360 or I guess 180, sorry, <laughs> 360 would be that back. Uh, well, I guess technically I went 360 because I went all the way around. <laughs> um, so what were some of the, the things that happened after? So you, so you graduated, you took marketing. How was the process to land a role? Was that pretty straightforward? And then the evolution from kind of uh, that professional career up until starting your own business, what was that like? Yeah. So I remember, um, so I definitely went to the co-op management program because I knew there was co-op and which means you'd get some work experience as you're in school and they were paid co-op. 
yeah. terms. And I was able to squeeze in five work terms in okay. my time, even though you're supposed to be like three work terms, yeah. uh, which is awesome. And I didn't work anywhere in those companies afterwards, but <laughs> it was really good to, you know, get paid. And that honestly, um, but I know in your book, you talk about finances too, but the co-op jobs actually really helped because I was saving money from a very, well, pretty young age. I honestly, I wish I was saving even before, like even more before then, but you know, I bought my con my Toronto condo, like the CN tower and the Roger centers, like is my view, which shows very central downtown. I bought that almost nine years ago, mm. which was amazing to say. And it was partly in like due to my co-op terms um, you know, earning that money and saving it from when I was a student. So that is super key. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I was doing co-op, which really helped me, you know, fast track and get jobs or referrals a lot easier right. to transition, but not, so, not even just so much my co-op terms. It was having my retail jobs. I was always working and that gave me the skills, the, the transferable skills that you need in any job about communication, customer service, you know, um, time management, pri uh, prioritizing, all these different skills that you need, um, which also helped grow me into the type of manager because um, I was in management roles. So that helps me because I was a store manager in retail. Um, I learned how to like display the jewelry nicely and how to like increase sales. Um, and then I was chosen to, um, sort of train new incoming managers at a retail job, right? right? And so I was always like working, hustling, networking, um, which was great. Um, but then I took a year off. So I remember I was waiting uh, one of my best friends on the time. She's one year younger than me. So I decided to work as a store manager. So I actually didn't go into like the regular, like, you know, office job technically, because I knew I was going to quit after a year. Okay. I said, let me be a store manager. And um, if you recall, remember the double cohort year, Lucky, yep. where yep. OAC. So I was part of the grade 12 cohort. Mm, okay. So it was already tough. Like I remember trying to get into university. There was this double the amount of students trying to get in. But graduating, it was double the amount of new grads trying to get jobs. Sure. And even with my co-op experience, um, it was definitely tougher um, trying to get a job. So I said, you know what? let's not stress as much about that. Let me, I was already working this retail job and they were offering me a store manager position. I was like, you know what? The opportunity was right there. Let me take that. And I know I'm going to quit soon. And quitting a retail job, I think on your resume, wasn't as bad as quitting an office job. Sure. Um, I didn't feel like I was, you know, burning any bridges or like ruining my chances of future opportunities. So I said, I, and you know, a store manager is still a manager role. Um, mm -hmm. Right. I would be recruiting, hiring staff and doing a lot of different things. So I said, you know, that is a good opportunity. I'll do the store manager. I quit after a year and then I went on to this one of the best trips of my life. I took three months to travel all around Asia with my girlfriend. Cool. And I wouldn't trade that for anything because that's actually one of the, you know, advice I give is, is to explore the world every chance you get. And I'm so glad I took that time off to travel because now once you work, 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 work. I don't really call vacation when you do like the one week, the three days, um, you, you really can't do too much. So I'm so glad I had that opportunity to travel the world um, after that one year. And then after I came back, that's when I went hard on um, trying to, you know, find the jobs. And I was so lucky because of all the networking I did um, with, you know, and seeing in touch in LinkedIn, to be honest, a lot of my roles, um, 
in my adulthood was referrals. I didn't really have to go through the normal. I mean, doesn't mean I didn't submit my resumes and cover letters the normal way. Sure. But after looking back at all the jobs I actually took on, they were all referrals from people. Like they recommended me or say, oh, so-and-so is hiring. Would you, can I put your name in? And I landed jobs through referrals. Right. Yeah. And I find that with a lot of folks, they, they don't really realize that, that power of networking, right. Where um, so many people are like, yeah, I, I landed that role because someone knew me from somewhere else and they wanted to have me or they remembered me and this and that. So it's not necessarily about um, the people that, that, you know, it's more important of the people who know you and, and are they thinking about you uh, when a, a role comes up, uh, whether marketing or whatever area that you're interested in and uh, that can help. And, Otherwise, you're in that black hole of applications and and all that sort of stuff, which is like uh, almost like playing the lottery. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and headhunters find you, right? I always, I always entertain them because you like you never know, and sometimes you just sure. you also do it to brush up on your interview skills. Because if you know that hey, you're actually a valuable asset, that also keeps you motivated. You sharpen your interview skills. You also know what's out in the market right now. And it can also help you, um, you know, try to increase your salary, get an increase if you need to. Um, But that's also what opened my world. And I see in touch with some of these headhunters still, because you never know where they land and what opportunities might find you. But I think my most recent, um, I had a previous client headhunt me, which is amazing that it's not even just your friends now. These are your past clients coming in to find you and headhunt you, which is a great testament to, you know, your skills and your experience. Um, But where, uh, what landed me to where I am and being an entrepreneur. Now, all throughout my career, I had a lot of friends and, you know, colleagues say, Andrew, you really should do your own thing. Like you should start your own marketing agency. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, you know, you have yourself down and you're just like, it's too much work. And how do I get my clients and how do I do this? And, And so I kind of, just kind of shushed that kind of sign. I was like, it's always very interesting. I'm like, that's really nice that people think that. I was like, no, it's too much work. I won't do it. So what really brought me to where I am today when starting my own, you know, side hustle is, uh, well, with the co- with COVID, mm-hmm. um, I actually got laid off. Mm-hmm. So about two years ago, I got laid off. Now I started trying Dating Hub maybe two months before I got laid off, but it was because of COVID, the whole events industry went to crap, right? Like, mm-hmm. With COVID, everything shutting down, right? The events industry really suffered, much like a lot of other industries, but it pretty was like radio silent in, in the events, the venues, you know, shut down, et cetera, et cetera. And so we were all like, oh, we're going to have our job tomorrow. And sort of because of that, I had this idea running in my head three years ago about doing singles events. And I said, what better way now than to do it? A, I have more time. Two, I don't know if I'm going to have my job. And three, it was something I always wanted to do. And now more than ever during COVID, singles were more single, alone, and isolated <laughs> more than ever. Right. And I said, it's now or never, Andrea. Like, this is the best time to do it. And I always say it's like right time, right place. Um, yeah, right time, right place, right, right. You know, it's just the things have to align. Right. And to be honest, while most people were sort of suffering and figuring things out in COVID, it was like that for me, but it actually created an opportunity. And, and that's how like Toronto Dating Hub was born. And it's been awesome that I was able to take such a down moment for everyone into a positive opportunity for me. And on top of that, what I do with my events is connecting people. And it's so rewarding and heartwarming when I 
continually hear people say, wow, Andrea, if it wasn't for your events, I wouldn't have met this, this person or these many people or been able to network or come out of my shell or, you know, I, I had so much fun. And some people, they've come out of the woodworks, like they, the first event they've come out of, like outside of their home into like the real world again, right. was one of my events, whether it's a game night social, a singles event or my networking event and to have them sort of praise me or my events. It's so rewarding. It's like all that hard work is worth it. And so I'm glad I followed my gut, but in a way, not that I'm glad COVID happened. I'm just sure. glad that I, I just took an opportunity. I saw instead of seeing it as a challenge or like a really bad thing, I turned it on its head and turned it into a rewarding opportunity for me. Yeah. I think that, that that's great guidance where what, what I heard from that is, I mean, you had the idea th- three years ago, pre COVID and all that sort of stuff. And uh, it, it seemed like that the universe was nudging you in the right direction by saying, Hey, you want time? I'll give you time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get you laid off. And now you have no excuses to do it. Um, but it, it could have been you like everybody else, just kind of sitting there and, and wallowing versus actually taking the opportunity and turning into something. So I think that's, that's, that's quite amazing that you've been able to do that. And obviously more to come, um, but I'd love if you kind of step back and gave uh, young Andrea some swipe, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. I don't know if it's through through, through uh, early in your career, through university or high school, like what are kind of the key milestones that you like would want to share your, uh, a bit of swipe for yourself in those younger years? Yeah, the number one thing that stands out would be find out what you're passionate about and then do it. Okay. So like I said, through, through my talk, right, about whether it was dance, starting my own business, but it wasn't about don't do like, don't choose your career. Don't do the thing because your parents told you or your friends told you at the time or person you're dating at the time told you, you know, you could, because we have a lot of influences in our life, right? Yeah. And it's so easy to be swayed by that, especially when you're younger and you don't know better. But I think what really stands through time and, and I, I do it at every talks I, I do, I, I always say, find out what you're passionate about and then do it. Make sure that's that's a staple part of your life. So whether it's going to be your hobby or your main career, do what you're passionate about. It won't fail you. And if you do what you're passionate about, the money and all those opportunities, it will find you. Trust that. Right. Um, and I would say follow your gut. Uh, again, we too often time are influenced by whatever it is, like our authority figures in our lives, what we read in social media. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's really key that you follow your gut and something I keep working on when we say gut, it's not what your mind tells us, right? It's what your gut tells you. Right. And, uh, because again, that usually won't fail you. So those two are are really key. And I'd say don't burn any bridges. (laughs) Okay. Um, especially with COVID stirring things up, you never know if the intern you used to manage becomes, uh, you know, a big guy somewhere else or becomes a founder and you just never know where your these connections are so never burn any bridges wherever you are whether that's a part-time job an internship um whatever it is the the sports team that you joined you never know where people land and so don't burn any bridges because that might you know bite you in the bum afterwards yeah, I think what I took from those three is is finding what you're passionate about is, is really get to know yourself. Because a lot of people, to your point about having all these influences, 
really don't know what they want, right? They know what their parents want for them or their uh, significant other or this and that or their culture want for them, but they haven't actually taken the time to figure out what is it that they want. And, and that's definitely an important part uh, about following your, your gut. I think there's some research around that your, your gut is kind of like your second brain where um, essentially there's, there's more um, cells in there than uh, I guess in, in like the solar system or whatever, something like that, where um, your your emotions are really kind of like thoughts from your gut, from your body, right? So the way that you think in your brain is uh, the, the, the gut feel is kind of those emotions um, kind of going up to the surface. And the last part about like the don't burn any bridges, what comes to mind is uh, there's an expression, if you have an option to be uh, kind or be right, be kind first and, and uh, don't worry about being right. Because sometimes you just have to be right and that burns a bridge or just causes someone some sort of grief. Whereas if you just left it <laughs> and, and took the, the higher path, the more kinder way, it would probably been all right. So I think there, there, that's a lot of great swipe, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. And uh, we'd love to hear a little bit more about kind of your future aspirations and, and where folks can get a hold of you if they're interested in connecting and, and learning more. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if you go to torontoeventhub.com, it actually has all my links, including my email, my LinkedIn, and all my upcoming events. So okay. as easy to remember, torontoeventhub.com if you want to reach me for any information. And future aspirations, um, I'm about to finally take vacation. So that <laughs> is uh, really key. I was going to say another spike would be um, actually self-care because there's so mm -hmm. much around mental health um, and, and sort of the aftermath of not taking care of yourself. I'm still honestly working on that because I'm such a busy body that I stress out and I overwork myself all the time. So you don't want to pay for the consequences when it's too late. Yeah. So I'm taking a vacation and I'm going to try not to work as much, but <laughs> I definitely need that. Um, but, and actually speaking of mental health, uh, there's a free webinar that I've partnered with another female entrepreneur. Um, it's on April 19th. It's a free webinar. So no matter where you are, if you're free or sign up for it um, for that day, and I can always uh, send you the recording if you if you have to miss it. But it's about mental health um, awareness and how you can actually um, address it and deal with it or support someone with um, mental health concerns. So I'm really looking forward to that, that talk with um, a female friend of, of mine that I actually went to high school with. And wow. we sort of connected, stayed connected, networked, and finally had this opportunity. So I'm excited for that one. Um, and then I'm planning my two-year anniversary for my business and um, sort of figuring out what kind of celebration I'd like to do because I'd like to um, make it bigger and just plan more events so that one day I can make the leap and do this full time. So those are some of my upcoming aspirations. That's perfect. So th thanks so much, Andrew, for sharing your, uh, your story, your insights, your swipe, and uh, we'll look forward to having you back for a future episode. So, so thanks so much. And uh, hopefully we'll do a deep dive into things like time management or uh, networking, uh, mental wellness, dating, things, all, all, all those sorts of things. And we're looking forward to having you back in a future episode. I would love that. Thank you so much. And I'll see you guys next time. Take care. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.